In the second of a three-part series, Clem Sunter discusses the role of South Africa in Africa's economy, the steps that South Africa needs to do to be a player in the global economy, and the importance of entrepreneurship in South Africa. So, so Clem, I'm going to just jump in here. It was quite interesting because uh, listening to you and Graham and Giles talk, uh, I was interested when you said about your three scenarios, and you said the first, the positive scenario is the Premier League. Yeah. Right? But... Would you say that there's a possibility for South Africa to become not just the Premier League, but go into the World Cup and <laughs> you know, be not just um, seen as the number one country in Africa, but a global country on yeah. par with, when well, you think yes, about Hong Kong? Words, or, to make the kind of transition that uh, Japan has made, China's made, South exactly. Korea's made. Um, yeah. Um, look, we have three flags for staying in the Premier League and actually moving up. Well, the first is inclusive leadership. You know, we looked at nations that have, have done well, and invariably they have leaders which bring the nation together as a coherent team. I mean, I, I say that in, you know, since we call it Premier League, that uh, it applies to soccer as well. And as a Chelsea supporter, I find it very difficult to say that Alex Ferguson... <laughs> is the best manager because he keeps Manchester United United even though they lost against Real Madrid <laughs> but um, uh, yeah um, you know we've, we, we had Nelson Mandela who I had the privilege of seeing for five hours in jail because he asked me to go and see him to discuss the future uh, before his release uh, he was fantastic his two successes haven't come close but a really positive flag is the appointment of Cyril Ramaphosa yeah. Yeah, um, as deputy leader of the party. I've known Cyril since the early 90s. Uh, he was a union leader when I was in a fairly senior position in, in, in the gold mines, and we negotiated with one another. He never ratted on an agreement. And, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, he was an incredibly nice guy. We even went fishing together. And I just feel he has got that inclusive quality of leadership. And, and what I'm saying to people is he should actually lead an economic cadessa in South Africa because we did achieve a political democracy in the, um, in, 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 in the early 90s. But what we haven't done is, is come up with an economic democracy, which for me is part of being a global nation. The fact is America is, you know, has got that sort of economic democracy, even though obviously big companies dominate America, there's lots of chances for small guys to become world-class entrepreneurs. And of course, in China, you know, Deng Xiaoping uh, did exactly the same. I, I was had the privilege of being at the Central Party School in April 2006, uh, because they wanted to understand scenario planning. It's, it's out, just outside Beijing, and it's the Communist Party Leadership Academy. And what really was noticeable is that they'd taken down all the slogans of Mao, um, at the school and replaced them with the slogans of Deng. And when I asked the professor why, he said, because Deng taught us as a party to retreat from the economy and allow the entrepreneurs to move in. <laughs> and now we're number two in the world. And that is the reason Well, they weren't number two at the time. They were about number five. But, um, you know, that was the principal reason that, um, that China has done so well. Here in South Africa, uh, we still have a very divided nation. Um, and we certainly don't have the space uh, for the entrepreneurs to um, to excel uh, because we were an entrepreneurial economy in, back in the 1880s. And then we started consolidating. De Beers consolidated as diamond mines, and then the gold mines consolidated, and South African breweries, which provided beer to the mines, consolidated. So we've ended up with a very concentrated economy with very little space for entrepreneurs. 
And that's why South Africa hasn't grown at the rate that Nigeria and other African countries have grown up, 6 to 7%. We're doing two. And the reason is that we just don't have the space for the entrepreneurs. So part of being global and being a global nation will be to, to produce this, um, you know, this space uh, for the entrepreneurs in our country. But then the second and, uh, reason why we could definitely be a global nation is there are incredible pockets of excellence in South Africa. Um, and if we you know, have a government that's supportive of those pockets of excellence, then we can go a long way. Let me give you one wonderful example, uh, which is the Mpezo system in Kenya. It's, it's a, um, a system whereby you, 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 you pay um, at, at a checkout counter at, at a, a supermarket, not with cash or a credit card. You pay with, with your cell phone. You put your code in your, your mobile, I think you call it in the UK, and um, then you pay. Your, your cell phone gets swiped. Your balance comes down and the shop's balance goes up. And uh, consumers love it because um, they, they feel more secure uh, doing it this way than with cash. And, of course, the, the shops love it because they're not paying the credit card commissions. So it really has taken off in Kenya. Now, it just so happens that the best uh, company in the world at creating um, a, a software system for turning a cell phone into an electronic wallet is right here in South Africa. It's in a place called Durbanville near Cape Town. It's called Fundama. And they have just been taken over 100% by one of America's largest credit card companies because in 10 years' time, it's reckoned that every American will be using their uh, mobile as an electronic wallet. And the software will have come from South Africa. <laughs> so, yeah, so, so there's huge potential for this country to, to, to really do well, and, and, and other African countries, I have to say. I mean, you know, remember the economists described Africa as the hopeless continent in, in 2000. That has completely changed because most African economies are growing at rates that most countries in the world will be envious of, which is sort of 7 to 8% per annum. And yes, it's from a low base, but it's now happening. And um, lots of American and European companies are now coming into Africa because they want to escape the flat markets in Europe and, and America. So being in South Africa is, is quite thrilling in the sense that you're part of a continent that is beginning to exhibit a real renaissance. It's much better being South Africa in Africa than Germany in Europe. <laughs> yeah, and I think The Economist just uh, rewrote that article to be the hopeful continent now. Yeah. In the last week's one. Oh, um, really? I'm just curious. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I was just curious what you thought South Africa's role into Africa. I mean, we hear a lot about it being the gateway into Africa. Do we see any expanding role there? I mean, how does South Africa position itself economically? Yeah, you see, again, our ruling party, and that's why we called it the Premier League, because we want to get across to them that it is a competitive world. And, and in fact, in this very flat economic environment that we're, we're in at the moment, that, that, that competition is intensified, both between nations and between companies. And you've got to offer the world something that they want at a, at a competitive price. And, you know, one of the spaces we can dominate is to be the place that American, European, Japanese companies come to in order to chase the uh, chase the, the, the high growth rates in, in the rest of Africa. 
And um, we've, we've now got the, the, the example of Walmart, which has bought 51% of Massmart, a retail chain in South Africa. And it was announced last week that Massmart is expanding its geographical footprint into Africa. Now, that can be repeated again and again and again, because South Africa is a great place to start in Africa, because we have the best banking system, the best um, um, stock exchange. Um, yeah, I mean, w w we should be the place for people to start campaigning in Africa, but we need a government that is, is much more foreign investment friendly and, um, and, and yeah, welcomes people uh, to come here rather than, you know, immediately subjecting them to, you know, the microscope of, of the competition tribunal and everything else. And look, sure, you've got to do that, but, you know, just don't, don't, you know, almost give them a sort of, you know, two fingers. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's, it's, and, and, and so it is very, very uh, important that we change our attitude to, you know, companies coming into South Africa. And I have to say some South African companies like ShopRite Checkers, which is a retail chain, have done incredibly well in Africa. Um, and as a result, ShopRite Checkers is more prominent now than Pick and Pay, which was the king of, king of the castle 10 years ago. But Pick and Pay chose to go into Australia. ShopRite Checkers chose to go up Africa. <laughs> yeah. And it's showing. Well, maybe I can ask a quick question. I mean, and I think we want to talk as much about business as possible, but I can't yeah. resist just asking a bit more about the politics. So maybe you could just talk a little about your engagements with government and what the response has been around the diff kind of scenario planning and the different flags. Um, and secondly maybe comment just a little on whether you've thought about different political scenarios within South Africa and you know, with, with um, Cyril coming into the ANC now as the Deputy President, do you think there's going to be a big change? Um, where do you see that change going? Uh, maybe any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, you know, firstly, uh, we haven't. We, Chantal Ilbrey, with whom I work, and I have never been asked to give a presentation of the three scenarios, Premier League, Second Division, and Failed State, to the government, uh, or to the cabinet, at least. We've done a bit of work for, the, for individual ministries, but we've never sort of um, you know, hit the cabinet and said, what do you feel about our analysis of the possible scenarios for South Africa? And, you know... Um, I'd, I'd, I'd love to do that, um, and maybe I'll ask, try and twist Cyril's arm at some stage to, to, to allow me to do that. But, you know, in terms of the ANC, I, I, I don't see them losing, you know, the next election or even pro probably the following election. They're, they're, they're a very dominant party in South Africa. And, yes, we now have um, the emergence of Mampella Rampelli, who's, who's a very, you know, very strong woman, and she's got some incredibly good ideas. But, you know, parties setting up from scratch in South Africa, like COPE, haven't had a good history. You know, you, you need the logistics. You need the guys who do the grunt work on the ground. And, um, you know, I, I personally think Mampella should use her influence to try and combine the opposition uh, rather than set up a, a new party. But um, is the ANC sort of losing support? The answer is yes. I mean, you know, the, 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 the non-voters, as opposed to people who actually switch their vote from the ANC to the DA, which is the Democratic Alliance Official Opposition, um, the, 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 the proportion of the electorate who, who didn't vote in the last election was, 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 was pretty high. I think it was around about uh, 40%. 
And so, you know, with the lack of service delivery in, in quite a few parts of South Africa, I think quite a lot of voters simply uh, won't vote in the next election. But um, I, I, I certainly don't think that that endangers the ANC's, um, you know, uh, uh, chances of winning. Cyril Arabaposa, I don't know. I mean, you know, he's only going to be deputy president of the country. He's not going to be president um, until, you know, six or seven years' time, if indeed, if, 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 if it actually goes that way. But knowing him, he would have negotiated some space before he accepted the position because he had a perfectly reasonable job uh, running a, a very large business group called Shanduka in South Africa. And um, there's no way that he would have gambled on, on this position if he hadn't negotiated the space. And I personally feel that he's got a year and a half uh, sort of twiddling his thumbs as the deputy leader of the party. He should actually call for an economic cadessa because he was a critical player in the political cadessas in the early 90s that led to a new constitution and a free election. And he has a, a, a foot in all three camps of business, uh, government and labor. So he could use the next uh, 18 months to actually put together a meeting which has two objectives. One is how to implement the National Development Plan that was put together by Trevor Manuel and envisages three trillion rands worth of infrastructure spending. And the second is how to create the space so that we can create one million new businesses in South Africa by 2020, which is the only way of creating five million jobs. <laughs> <clears throat> so, I mean, on that, on uh, creating new businesses and that, so I was just wondering, you know, as, as young South African businessmen and businesswomen, uh, what sort of do you think the biggest impact we can have on South Africa's future? Where, where should we really focus our attention? Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I, I actually talked to Jamie Hall uh, about a week ago to the Invest, Investment Society of, uh, of, of UCT, um, of University of Cape Town. And, uh, you know, that was a question that, that, that I was asked. And, you know, it's happening. There's a, there's a lot of students at uh, UCT who are actually going into places like Kailicha and who are helping uh, entrepreneurs, um, you know, set up their business, access money, uh, make the jump from being a township business into the mainstream economy of Cape Town. It's actually happening all over the place that really dedicated young people are getting involved in what I would call entrepreneurial movements. So even though I haven't had much success at um, convincing the government that the way to go is an entrepreneurial revolution, it certainly is happening on the ground with young people who are either real entrepreneurs making money or social entrepreneurs helping other people to make money. That was the second part in our discussion with Clem Sutter. In the next and final part, Clem discusses the bright spots in South Africa's economy and the heroes of South Africa's new generation.